What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. What is up, everyone? Good morning, good evening, good uh, afternoon, no matter where you are in the world. Thanks for tuning in to Crossover Commerce. I'm Ryan Kramer, the host of this lovely show. Welcome to episode 91 of this show, presented by Ping Pong Payments. In this episode, we are titling Talk DSP to Me off the... <laughs> I, I like to make myself laugh a little bit. Talk DSP to Me, Amazon Deci- Demand Side Performance Basics. Uh, we're going to have a good time today, as you can already tell by my mood. But thanks for watching us on uh, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter. If you're watching on any of those platforms, we we do we do appreciate you tuning in and watching us live. Uh, or if you're listening to this via download on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, truly where any there is a podcast, I'm going to work to be there. So if your favorite, uh, make sure you add us to your library as your favorite podcast to make sure when new ones come available, you get the audio version uh, as well. So do me a favor because this is a live episode on social media, go ahead and follow, like, and share this episode with your uh, network. Make sure that other people get the word out there as well, because believe it or not, I go live four to five times per week in order to bring you the best and greatest minds in the Amazon and e-commerce space. I'm lucky to have a Rolodex of people that I like to call my uh, e-commerce friends and sharing tidbits of information in the Amazon e-commerce space. So what I want to do is get all the information I can about my guest uh, that they have in their mind and their expertise and get it into your uh, notepads or apply it to your business. So that's the point of this show. If this is the first time joining us live, it's an interactive show. So if you have a comment or a question, you can submit those on Facebook or again on LinkedIn, and we'll be able to see those live, put them on the screen and answer your questions as well. Again, applying it to either this uh, topic or just a question that, uh, or a comment that we brought up, apply it to there. Otherwise it's all fair game. Uh, but do me a favor, go ahead and share that and like, and when we do go live, just hit that notification bell and you'll be all squared away when we do go live here this week. Um, but about our guest today, uh, he is the founder and CEO of Ad Advance. Uh, he started selling on Amazon back in 2014 and immediately obsessed over all things in the Amazon advertising world. After a few years of testing different strategies to get the most out of his ads, he felt like it was leaving some opportunities on the table, which we all feel that way as well. I can I can see where that where this is going. So he and his business partner, Matt, uh, put their heads together to build a system that took things to the next level. And since then, they've developed industry-leading technology, started in digital ad agency specializing in Amazon DSP and sponsored ads, and then moving into more creative uh, creating a library of resources to help sellers uh, up, set them up for success. Fantastic stuff, and it's only going to continue. You might have seen him around or heard him on Clubhouse. You might have seen him around other speaking uh, shows or talks in the Amazon e-commerce world recently. But I want to. I'm really excited to bring on uh, Joe uh, <laughs> Joe of Ad Advance. I'm not going to say his last name because I already forgot how to pronounce it. Joe, I apologize already. I did this again. I told you I'm going to say <laughs> Shoulder, but it's <laughs> do, do it for do it for our listeners right now. Last name. Go. No, you just got it. Yeah, it's Shellerud. Yep. You nailed it. Why did I, I balked at it. 
Like I, it's like getting to yeah, the five yard line, and you're like spiked it, and I'm like, I don't trust myself. Like I think I'm there, yeah. and then I get hesitation. Children, look at that. So, guys, I'm not as crazy yeah, as I sound beautiful. or seem right now. Okay, Joe, welcome to the show. Yeah, <laughs> Advertising Joe or whatever you, we're gonna call you, Ryan Kramer. <laughs> look at that. I'm just gonna say like, yeah. well, this is the thing, Joe. So this is funny. Um, funny story before we get started. People call me by my last name all the time because. You know, Ryan's not any shorter than Kramer, but for some reason, the last name rings off the rings off the tip of the tongue. But, um, you know, I always balk at calling people by their last name. But yet for me, people are like, ah, fair game, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yours is easy enough to say, so I, I get it. I know. <laughs> but it's the wrong way, right? It's not with a K. It's always with a K, and I never think about that. But hey, yeah. I blame my ancestors for that. Anyways, uh, hey, thanks for joining us on Crossover Commerce, man. I appreciate it. You're a busy guy. So um, for... Where are you joining us from for uh, for people who don't know where Advance is located? Yeah, so we're, we're located in Duluth, Minnesota. So if you look at the tip of Lake Superior, just go a couple hours south of the Canadian border, pretty much way up there. Um, right now, it's honestly snowing outside. Uh, so No way. Is it really? Yeah, yep, yep. So we're getting some snow right now. Which, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, yeah, you always get it mid-April. God bless it. Yeah, <laughs> good, good God, man. That, that's, that's both like exciting, but also it's April and you want... You want to see stuff like just be yeah. done with winter but yeah, for, for us not as exciting <laughs> yeah i mean i guess that's when traveling comes this time of year you just get away from the sun but yep. <laughs> but no it's awesome so uh for your background it's a unique one before you you know just putting pen to paper sounds really cool in terms of like you've solved a problem and you fixed it but you weren't always in e-commerce were you like what was that background if you want to if you could share that with our listeners. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I've got a background in engineering. I'm a chemical engineer by training and then got really? my MBA after. Yeah. So, so what did you want to be when you grew up? Um. Oh, man, I, I, I didn't even know. Like I ended up being a project manager for a while. I was an operations engineer for a while. Then I did some a lot of like financial analysis for different mergers and acquisitions with the bigger company. Um, yeah, then nothing, started doing project yeah, management. Nothing chemical so. engineer related. Yeah, <laughs> That's the, how it operations, always happens. Yeah, yeah stuff bit. was a little bit more. But yeah, gotcha. so it, it's awesome. definitely meandered. So yeah, how I got introduced into Amazon is I've always been a tinker on the side. And so I was listening to the Amazing Seller podcast back in 2014 and heard about you know being able to sell on Amazon. So I was actually out at an office depot that was going out of business and saw all these prices marked down and checked on Amazon. And it's like, huh, okay, I can actually sell these for more. So ended up buying, filling my cart, um, buying those, and then figuring out the Amazon ecosystem from there. And then expanded into more of a private label brand. Um, so I sell these organic chemistry molecular model kits. So definitely chemical engineering related there. Um, there you go. They're used for that's, open that's your passion project right there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, that's where I really got introduced into the advertising side. That's awesome. So at Home Depot, you were just how, how did you know that the prices like you could you could resell them for more on Amazon or like you, did you know or it was kind of a guess or what 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 were you there using back in like, 2014? Yeah, there were like two apps that you could use. So there's a scanner app. I can't even remember the name of it, but you could scan the barcodes and then it would pull up and it would show you what the Amazon fees were and everything. Um, but it was it was a little bit scary because it was going out of business, so you couldn't return the products. Yeah. Um, so I actually have a set of headphones or, that yeah. were restricted that I ended up buying and then couldn't resell. So got a new set of Dang. headphones, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, that, that's kind of funny because a lot of people are like, I swear I've seen that for more expensive other places and you just happen to come upon, upon it, either clearance or something weird. Uh, 
and even now, like taking your story and applying it, fast forward to seven years, I see people sending like carts of like weird food or like things you can't find in certain sections of the United States or the world. They're like, I'm buying the whole inventory because you can just sell it online for oh, more for than, sure. than what it is in here at retail store because it's seasonal and people can't get it. It's weird. It's like yep. lemonade flavored Oreos. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like people are buying. Them. Yep, sure are. Yeah. Uh, believe it. Or, yeah. The beautiful world of e-commerce and where we're at now, uh, flipping, uh, buying it and flipping it online. So for sure. So that that's what, so you, you saw, so you saw that online and you're kind of like, Hey, there, there's a hole in this market. Like, what was that process like for you as a, you were selling as a re, uh, arbitrage or how, like, what was the yeah. focus on? Yeah. So it was retail arbitrage from the start. That's how I got my start. And then it, it actually proceeded into like selling camelback backpacks and North face backpacks. And so I was finding all these deals online and kind of flipping those. And then after a while, I get tired of prepping all of those products. So I was like, all right, I'm going to start my own private label. Um, and then, yeah, I went through the whole process of figuring out the product, designing it, getting the logo, packaging, branding, all the good stuff, made all the mistakes in the world, learned from each of them. And yeah, I don't know. It gives you a better perspective just looking at the Amazon ecosystem, just uh, going through each of those stages along the way. What was easier for you, uh, retail arbitrage or um, private label? I would say private label once you get it set up, a ton more work on the the front end to get it set up. But then at that point, now it's just more reordering as you go. Um, But for me, I, you know, I switched to focusing on the advertising side instead of like continually refreshing my products and everything like that. So, you know, I may view it differently if that was what I continue to do to this day. So why advertising? Like what of all the holes in Amazon you can poke in, why advertising? Yeah. Uh, So as I was building up my business, um, I was developing some tools for myself. So just being an engineer by background um, was finding some ways that I could simplify the process and kind of do some more complex things that weren't available for any tools out there. And I actually reached out to multiple people to um, take over my my advertising so I could focus on the seller side of the business and found that what I was doing was actually a lot more complex than many of the options that were available out there. Um, And then at that point, it's like, you know, maybe I can help some sellers um, with this. And so just like the Amazon business started working with a couple of sellers on the side and then saw that, you know, there's a ton of opportunity here. At the same time, Amazon was also seeing the opportunity and continued to build on their platform. And, you know, we hit a point where I was like, you know, this advertising side, it really fits my core skill set, which is digging into the data, trying to find different opportunities that are out there, building the tools for it. Um, And so I reached out to Matt Wickland, who's the co-founder of AdAdvance. And then we sat down. he looked through the tools I had. Um, he's super good at building out tools, by the way, and um, completely revamped everything. And since that point, we've really focused on the process, the structure. We develop all of our own software internally, um, and then really defining, you know, what, how do we split up optimization? There's, it's an art and a science with advertising, and so there's some pieces that we want to incorporate in our software, like bidding updates, placement adjustments, campaign funnel structures, reporting, those are all awesome for the software, but there's so many other pieces that you need to do manually and you need that intuition to really set yourselves apart. Um, So that's really what we focused on for the first couple of years as we developed the company is building out the process, the structure and everything else like that. And now we've been able to really 
build upon that foundation that we laid um, and get into cool things like DSP. Yeah. So why, why build it out yourself? Is it, why not like go to a tool that was already built in that regards? Like what were the pros and cons you, you guys had to come to each other to like, is this easier to do ourselves or do we just rely on other people's data? Does sure. that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So there's, you know, we've got a full, yep. We've got a full development team internally and um, yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into it. The key reason why we decided to implement ourselves is that, um, we want that control and that structure and to also be able to roll out these new features very quickly. Um, and so having your own development team allows us to participate in like a ton of the betas that Amazon's rolling out. For those that don't know, any new features that come out on the Amazon advertising platform, they roll those out as betas first. And you then guys have your like sticky fingers in there already. Really <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so we, we can test it, we can give them initial feedback, we can find d different errors from the, the start. And so that allows us to test a lot of these features before they come out and are released to the general public. Um, and so it, it just gives us, you know, with all those items and then being able to customize it for ourselves, we feel like it gives us an advantage. It's a ton of work and, <laughs> and, and a ton of money goes into the software, um, but I, I don't think we, we wouldn't have it any other way for sure. I, I was going to say, so like the, the cons I would say is you would have to, if something changes, you guys have to internally go in there yourself. You have to change it up yourself. Like uh, you have to tweak it to make sure it's, it's working in terms of the guidelines that Amazon's getting with you. But are they kind of like partners in the aspect of they're holding your hand along the way? Like, yep, you guys are doing it right. That's the right data. Like you're, you're one-to-one -one making sure everything's compliant and correct. For sure. Yep. So Amazon's got an awesome culture on the development side and with the different product teams um, to work with, you know, they're very customer focused. So, you know, Amazon talks about being very customer focused on the e-commerce side um, with the Amazon advertising side. Like we as consumers or users of their advertising products are their customers. And so they're super good about working through these issues. And if we're highlighting, you know, different wants, needs, um, different, you know, key pain points that we're running into, they're always taking notes and um, incorporating those in. So it's always fun when we give them direct feedback on, hey, man, we'd love to see this, like see it actually come out as a beta soon and then get rolled out to the general public shortly after. So they're they're investing a ton of time and effort into the Amazon advertising space just because there is so much upside for Amazon. Um, if you look at Amazon, it's the e-commerce side, it's Amazon Web Services and advertising is growing at a huge rate. So, um, yeah, they've got a lot of people focused on it and there's a lot of new features yet to come. Yeah. So on the show, we've talked like with with plenty of experts on, you know, PPC and ad space, but we've actually seen the functionality of like a product page go for more organic placement. Now, almost all of it, but one section is all paid ads. So my question to you is. And this was asked to Brent uh, last weekend of AMZ Pathfinder. Is that diminishing the value of PPC ads or are we going to see like this natural swing back to the organic placements and starting to see those more pop up on product pages again? Yeah. Yeah. So Amazon 
on Amazon placements are definitely saturated. Like at this point, I don't think there's Everything's an ad, man. many more ads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so really where the next level of growth is going to come for Amazon advertising is the off Amazon placements. And so you're starting to see this with like sponsored display audience targeting. So they've got their views remarketing audience, which is both on and off of Amazon placements. But then you also have Amazon DSP, which gives you a lot more control for off Amazon placements. So, you know, to grow their advertising business, they need to keep growing the e-commerce side so they can just get more eyeballs on the ads that are already there. Um, but then at that point, now to really expand into that next level, it's going off of Amazon and competing and taking market share for the, from the likes of like Facebook and Google. So yeah, let's get into it then because we talked we titled the episode DSP Amazon DSP display. Uh, what does it what does it mean and why is this such a really cool term that people should be familiar with? But also the basics of why it's going to start elevating business moving forward. Sure. Yeah. So Amazon DSP, it's Amazon's demand side platform is what it stands for. And really, if you look at Amazon advertising, you can kind of split it into two buckets. So the first one is Amazon sponsored ads. And then the next section is DSP. Um, and so one way to think of it is Amazon DSP is just kind of sponsored ads on steroids, but there are many other changes or differences to it. You know, so some of the differences like um, for the most part, um, sponsored ads are all cost per click where DSP is going to be cost per thousand views. So it's kind of an impression based cost versus a cost per click basis. Going back to the old uh, Google ads, you know, mantra and formula of, hey, per thousand ads, this is what it would cost to, to impression wise. How many, how many unique, vis is it unique visitors or is it just like visitors in general or eyeballs in general? Yeah. Yep. So it's, um, it's unique visitors that are looking at it. Um, but yep, based off of a views or impression based and then how they measure an impression thing, there's multiple details that go into that. Sure. Um, but yep. So cost per views instead of cost per click. And then, yeah, a couple other aspects is there's so much more control compared to sponsored ads. Um, so controls on creative. So you can really control, you know, there's some controls that we have for sponsor brands and sponsor display on the sponsored ad side. Um, but you can completely customize what the creatives look like for the ads. Um, another major feature is that you do not have to direct them back to Amazon. Um, wow. So you can actually use Amazon DSP to send them offsite to your website. Interesting. Um, or if I have a lead funnel, I want to send them to a landing page. Um, I can do that. So it doesn't have to go back to Amazon. And so really like the core value proposition with DSP is that you can use Amazon's first party data um, to better target and find those highly relevant audiences, which are going to respond well to your ads. So, yeah, I was going to say, what, what's the benefit of doing that where ultimately you want them to purchase well, as Amazon, this is how I think from top down. I want to make that purchase on my website. Are they doing it more so that they would rather just take ad money, direct them wherever, whether it's on site or off site? Most people are probably on site anyways. Sure. Um, more so that they would rather have people investing in this new platform coming out, or is that kind of their their focus? 
Yeah, yeah. So they're they're making on anytime we spend a dollar on Amazon DSP, they're making a proportion, a portion of that dollar. And so <laughs> really what they're doing is finding other ways to leverage the data that they get from their e-commerce side. So Amazon has amassed one of the greatest databases of consumer shopping preferences that humanity has ever known. And so how can you use this information to better target your audiences? So if I look at, say, like Google or Facebook, so like Google, I get intentions from people, from audiences based off of searches. Um, Facebook, Facebook tries to track you all over the place so they can look at browsing behavior and everything. Um, they and pixelate then, you, yeah. Yep. And then try to, uh, from your different activities, try to put you into different buckets that you can now target with ads. But what, what both of those sides miss is the, the bottom part of the funnel. You know, so it's, Amazon has the actual purchase data, or if we're on Amazon, we're actively in a shopping mode. Whereas if I'm on Google, you know, I'm in browsing mode. If I'm on Facebook, yep. like, you know, I'm, I'm probably even higher up the funnel. And so Amazon has this extremely targeted data. And so it lets you pick very specific core audiences, especially if you're trying to sell something where you can reach the relevant people right at the time where they're most likely to buy. And so, you know, that's the key thing with Amazon DSP and the way that we see so much value and so much potential with the platform is their use of first party data um, with all these consumer shopping preferences to make these really good audiences where you can provide really relevant ads to them that are going to convert and see solid returns. So for people who, for where are these ads going to be appearing? I should say like, is it going to be, it's all, it's mobile, it's desktop, it's everywhere in this regards, but is it displaying on, you know, like time magazine or time.com or like where, are the, where are all these ads going to be displayed? Because a lot of them that you see on either like Shopify stores or whatnot, you see the ad, the Google ad banners and whatnot, yep. but that, that website has to opt into that, you know, functionality within their backend essentially. Sure. Um, so who, who's serving the ad? Is it separate from Google and they would have to have their own placement on their, their website essentially? Yep. Yep. So okay. they have a different ad platform just like Google has. And so if I'm a another thing to learn, geez, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if I'm a publisher on the web, what I can mm -hmm. do is I can sell ad space. Um, and so DSP can compete for that ad space. And so essentially what happens is when I go to a website, say I'm browsing, like I'm going to weather.com to see what the weather is going to look like. Yep. See if it stops snowing here. Um, Which what, I want. Yeah, <laughs> it'll keep going till Memorial Day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and so as I as I go to weather.com, um, what happens is they ping DSP and say, okay, here's Joe. Does he fit within any audiences that advertisers want to target? Okay, here's a couple. Now who's willing to pay the most? At that point, Let's show the ad for the person who's willing to pay the most where he fits into that audience. And then that ad shows and that all happens, you know, super quick. Um, and so placements show up on outside websites, so news websites, weather.com. Um, they also can show on Amazon, too. So if you see ads below the buy box or below the bullet points on a product detail page, um, those can either be DSP ads or they can be um, uh, product, dis uh, product display, product targeting ads, a uh, sponsored display, product targeting ads. So, so um, yeah, as, as a consumer, on we'd be able, 
as a consumer, will we be able to know which one's which? Like if I'm a buyer, I, un, unless I'm on like some other website, uh, will I be able to tell the difference between a dis sponsored display one and a DSP one? Like if uh, I'm on it, Amazon? Yeah, it, it's difficult if, so with DSP, like we can set up like responsive ads that look just like the traditional, you know, Amazon ads. You see them, you know mm -hmm. that they're an Amazon ad. So in that case, it's going to be harder to differentiate between sponsored display and DSP for what they are because sure. you can remarket off of Amazon using sponsored display. Um, so it's going to be a little bit trickier there. Um, if you have more like custom creatives that sponsored display can't do, um, then you could theoretically tell that they're DSP ads. Um, but it's it's going to be harder to as the consumer on your side, you know, just trying to figure out which platform these are coming from. But you'll know that they're Amazon ads. Fascinating. So when so when I'm thinking about this, I heard a couple things. They have the data that you're shopping with. Um, and that's a big thing, right? We, we talked a little bit about this before we went live was the data that Amazon has, they can use it to serve these ads. And there's a couple of routes we can go down of, I know Google's pulling back on the amount of data and how they're going to use that for ad purposes, which is go both a good and a bad thing for people of shoppers or, you know, companies that are trying to serve a very specific niche. The good thing that, so Amazon's taking another approach, they're leaning into the data. Where are they getting this from? Is it is it just their profile on Amazon or is it cookie-based or is it server-based? Where are they getting this data? Is it is it their Amazon web services? Like, I didn't think that they were allowed to, to tie into each other or speak to each other that way. Yep. Can you clarify so, all that? Yeah, so Amazon web services. So for those who don't know, that's a, it's a separate wing that they have and it hosts different companies' software. So we're hosted that, yeah. on AWS. So, yep, there is no information that Amazon can get from that. So you want your software to be as protected as possible. Amazon mm -hmm. web services totally does that. Um, but in terms of like privacy updates and everything, so you hit on some good points. So one to note is that iOS 14 update for iPhones. Um, essentially what they're doing is they are making you opt in if you want apps to see your behavior across different apps. And most people, when they see this pop up, they're gonna click no. And so we saw Facebook come out with multiple ads against this. And the key reason is that if they're not gonna be able to track you as much, they're not going to be able to develop as solid of audiences for advertisers to target, and they're going to lose ad revenue. Facebook is against what Apple is doing, for, for sure. lack of better. Okay. Because yep. yeah, they don't get the data, and Facebook relies on the data of these third-party entities serving to them so they can better culture advertisements. For sure. For sure. <laughs> okay. Yep. To clarify that. Yep. Yep. So and then on yeah, like the ahead. Google side, so they are also making cookie updates or they're not going to be tracking as much as you browse around. And so they're responding to just the general trends that we're seeing in the awareness over privacy protections and everything else like that. And so Google, uh, they have a huge ecosystem built out, but essentially they're saying we're going to we're going to not pull as much information, which can impact how the, the audiences that we can get. Um, for Amazon, essentially the iOS update doesn't impact them much because where they get a lot of their core information is when you're within the Amazon app itself or with okay. when you're within some of the other apps that they own like Twitch 
or Prime Video. So these are all internal to their own apps, so they can still track that information. When I'm browsing on Amazon, I'm logged in. They know my search history, and they use this for a lot of good purposes too, to like, you know, give me good recommendations for everything. Sure. And in general, that's, when that's we can the build side, these it's, it's it's like the force, right? That you see the light side, like it's for good purposes, but in the dark side, it's yep. really yeah. You can now build out a customized audience and then serve lookalike audiences based upon. You're saying they can look at your search history or buying history on Amazon specifically, right? That's the only insight that they get. They don't look at like your emails or anything like that, where you've seen those apps, right? Like they can read receipts and they're like, Oh, based upon your receipts that you get to your email and pull data from there. So it's shopping on Amazon or digital shopping on like, like audiences like Amazon music, I'm assuming mm -hmm. prime video, things like that of based upon your viewing, reading, shopping behavior this is who we dictate you are as a profile exactly yep kindle any of the companies that they own now does this go into third party does this go third party too? like all the entities that they have their hands into like imdb for example like is yep. a movie search uh website so they can look at like browsing or comments and things like that Th that goes in all of their third party besides you said aws for sure. Yep. Yep. And so wow. I still call that first party because it's all Amazon owned. And then there are actually third party data aggregators out there. So I can get if Ryan Kramer and I can't specifically, I, I would never know if a specific individual browses this way. But what I can do is I can define an audience like has shown interest in sporting goods over the right. last 30 days, you know? And so one thing to note with these different audiences is that they have to be a large enough size and I can never define it down to like specific individuals or anything else like that. You know, these are just taking general trends that I can combine together to make these audiences that I feel like are really relevant for my advertisements. I was gonna say how specific, so that being said, you can build out the pro customer profile me as a consumer don't have to be worried about too much information besides of just habits of that I'm already opting into on their services. Like it's kind of, it's kind of like playing ball, right? You have to play by the rules of, Hey, we have, we have like your history. If I have an order history, I can look and assume like, Hey, Ryan, you like all these different items or, you know, gifts and stuff like that. They just have that data sitting there. So they're using it to better in theory, to better serve consumers to help you in the future. Uh, but nothing like in terms of addresses or like phone numbers or passwords or things like that, that, that doesn't get shared no. with like for the likes of you, for example, like not that that would be a bad thing, but. Yep. I could never track it down to any individuals whatsoever. Amazon limits the size of the audiences. So if they're too small, meaning too specific, they won't even allow you to like implement those for different advertising campaigns. So, so that means that how specific can you get? Um, I mean, so I can really narrow down the audience. So say um, I could look at somebody who has viewed my product in the last 30 days and hasn't purchased um, and has also viewed my competitor, but hasn't purchased um, and is also um, shown interest in this category and is of this demographic in an age range. So you can stack all these different audiences on top of each other. But once you get to a certain small size where it's right. very narrow, then at that point, Amazon will not let you target it um, because then you could be targeting individuals, which is definitely not okay.
Right. And also for, for buyers, that's expensive to do. Just like on Facebook advertising, the smaller the target audience you get, the more expensive it is because of your, you're honing in on a, you know, more niche. You're not being able to serve across like multiple different people. Like the bigger the audience, the cheaper it gets, but obviously the more narrow this would, I'm assuming would get pretty pricey pretty quickly. Is that correct to assume? Uh, right now, honestly, as you narrow down, it doesn't get as pricey. It's more just really? ma making sure that your audience is, you know, within their bounds. And then it's finding all these different niche audiences that really will relate to your product and convert well. And so that's what's really hmm. exciting with DSP is there's a lot of barriers and a lot of misconceptions with Amazon DSP. Um, Such as what? Um, let's see. So a couple of misconceptions. So previously when they've rolled out DSP, um, it's been an Amazon managed service overall. And what would happen is Amazon reps would come to different sellers and they'd say, hey, we can get you going on DSP. You just had to commit thirty-five dollars to $50,000 for DSP. Um, for a year, I'm assuming. Uh, and it would just, it just, just it's over like a couple month time period. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, and then yeah, they'd say, you know, we've got this huge market available. Um, you sell sporting goods. We have this market where there's like 20 million people who have shown interest in sporting goods in the last 30 days. And it's super broad. And then what would happen is they would get going with DSP, target this extremely broad audience, and then not see the results in terms of any increases in sales. They get a ton of like views over time, um, but then they never have the bottom of the funnel built up. And so a lot of people got burned by this early on and it gave yeah. Amazon DSP kind of a bad name. Um, and so a couple of key misconceptions is that you definitely don't want to start at the top. Right? We like to start at the bottom of the funnel. So we like to start at like retargeting. So if they visited <laughs> your product detail page, but they didn't convert. All right. Those are prime people to um, show them an ad and to kind of push them over that hurdle to finally convert. Or say they purchased another one of your products. All right, they're familiar with the brand. They're liking the running shirt that you just sold them. Let's see, they're probably interested in running shorts too. So let's market those. Um, so if we start more at the bottom of the funnel strategies, we're seeing very solid returns, especially compared to like the sponsored ad side. Um, and I think it's because a lot of people are hesitant to get into DSP. A lot of people don't want to commit to that upfront spend. So that's another misconception is that, yes, if you go with Amazon, you're going to have to commit a decent amount of money. But if you go through an agency like us, essentially, we can pool all of our right. all of our different clients to meet those thresholds. So you can start a lot smaller as a seller. Personally, I'm not going to commit 30 grand upfront without knowing what the results would be. No um, yeah. And so especially, on a, especially on an impression basis, not a click basis, because this is how the, the evolution of uh, Google went through was they did it all based upon impressions. You couldn't get a good return. You would only know like how many people looked at it. But then when you introduce a cost per click model, in theory, people are opting into it, which is more of a value to that customer or the company. And if you're clicking through it, retargeting becomes, or they're going to make that point of purchase. They're more going down that funnel instead of like, oh, that's nice. That's an interesting, like, it's almost like Instagram, right? Where you see all these ads and you're just swiping right. You're like, okay, that's an impression. I'm not clicking on it or until I click like, hey, I'm going to like show me more or swipe up. That's when that cost per click happens. But uh, the impression's like, oh, that's interesting and like go to the side. So it's not as much of a opt-in value, but this is where Amazon's naturally following that same story, if you will. Yep. 
Yep, exactly. Yeah. And so the, the key thing is that there's just so much customization and there's infinite possibilities that the platform is definitely not set up for easy self-service. And that's what you're seeing with sponsored display. Um, they're really taking some of the, the key strategies and trying to simplify it down so sellers can utilize those. Like that's the audience views. Um, if you've seen searches and purchases being rolled out to some accounts, that's kind of like another step. Um, so I think we're gonna continue to see sponsored display build on some of these self-service areas of DSP that you can implement easily. But then once you get into DSP, I mean, it, it is very complicated. Um, and so I would definitely get some support for that. But with that complication, there's tons of opportunity, tons of testing you can do. And if you can find those right mixes of audiences, um, we've been seeing some great returns on like an advertising standpoint. So that's display. Does display, does that, um, extend to voice search or voice shopping as well? Does that oh. dive into or does it mix at all? Um, for voice shopping? Um, would, would, say... would Google be pulling from like questions? So for example, if I have an Alexa device, in sure. theory, it's an Amazon product. So you can use that data of questions that you're asking Amazon. Alexa can then serve potentially ads, I don't know how, like what the fine line is and I haven't experienced it myself. I have a Google products, so I don't know how Alexa works specifically. Yeah. So sorry, Amazon. Um, with that being said, does, could in theory the cert using your voice and that data be aggregated into a customer profile that would look like a certain profile? I'm not theory. sure on that, but if I would speculate, I think that say you searched on your Alexa profile for a baseball glove, you know, yeah, it's like, Alexa, what's the weather like today? And that that's where they say like this person, I mean, that's a very broad term, but sure. they're like, do I need? Yeah, exactly. That if you search for, if you, yeah, if go ahead. you ask Alexa for some product specific information, then it may be able to like categorize you into, okay, Ryan's now interested in sporting goods products. And maybe I can narrow it down a little bit more into like the baseball niche or something like that. Sure. So I could see that being used. Um, I'm not certain, but I'm guessing that, I mean, right now they're aggregating all the data from their different ecosystems. So I'm sure that would be, that would be one piece too. But this is not something that you could insert a uh, a voice ad or anything like that, correct? Like you, you Joe, and Ad Advanced, you guys can't serve a voice ad in a customer profile that might fit that need. Yeah, I haven't seen voice ads. Um, you can definitely mm. do videos through DSP, um, but I'll, I'll take a look back. In all honesty, on the creative side, we're still testing out quite a bit. Um, right now, we've been focusing more on like the Amazon specific looking ads um, for DSP because they have been converting really well. I think just with the familiarity that many people have with Amazon. Um, but I'll, I'll take that away too, because we are doing a lot of testing. There is definitely uh, video capabilities and quite a few capabilities on the creative side. Well, this, this is the nerd side of me, right? Because we're on a podcast right now. So if someone's listening to this and I opt into it, like this is an e-commerce uh, podcast or business podcast, and someone's listening to it, they subscribe to me. In theory, they're interested in these kinds of markets. Uh, so in theory, Amazon can serve ads to Amazon music podcasts and say like, Hey, like you, you bring products or services to that profile. And so when you hear an ad in your ear, then in theory, there's an app, there could be an option to op 
either opt in to or purchase that product in theory and voice. And I know like they're two different things, but that's how I see maybe like as a third party software or using voice in their products or in podcasting. And a lot of people are, you know, investing into that. That's where I think that could potentially go. I mean, maybe, maybe that's just me wishful thinking or yeah. No, I, so I, I, I definitely so agree. If, make more if money. not doing that, <laughs> yep, I, I think that's definitely an opportunity. And we're, we're seeing it for like Hulu has a self-service um, display platform where you can actually run commercials for Hulu. Um, Walmart's rolling out. They've got their display platform. And so many of these platforms are just being able to tap into the existing audiences that these companies are gathering and then being able to show relevant ads to those audiences and whatever media form so like hulu is obviously video amazing stuff so when so i'm a seller and i'm i'm piqued by this this is something that's really cool i can stand out i can really drive more awareness i can stand out in more ways when two-part question who's more opting into the services now is it a specific category that's seeing better results or you're seeing more like sporting goods or home gift garden or like what what are those categories that are opting into this more. And then second is when should people start investigating potentially hopping on board with this? As a, you said, it's a, it's an upfront spend cost. When am I ready to go down this hole? Yeah. Yeah. So, so for the first question, we have seen pretty solid results across the board between different categories. That's good. Um, good. And I, I think the key reason is that people just aren't utilizing this as much right now because of these barriers and misconceptions. Um, you know, we saw the same thing for new features as they were being rolled out, like sponsored products, um, placement adjustment, sponsor brand video and sponsored display product targeting. All these, when they were newer, um, we were able to get the bids really cheap, which led to great results. So we're seeing the same thing now for DSP. Like for instance, our bottom of the funnel strategies over the last couple months, they're averaging about a 12% ACOS or like eight to nine ROAS, wow. um, which is really solid when you compare it to our sponsored ad types. Um, once you go up the funnel more and you start broadening out that audience, that's where from a ROAS perspective, it tends to taper off, but it's really what you can do is you can start with those solid returns and then you can branch out, see what you can gather for incremental sales volume and then make that call on when it makes sense to stop moving upwards. And that's the fun thing with DSP is there's just infinite possibilities to keep expanding your audience as you go. Um, so with data, like you and I are like data nerds and you know, I always look at like, you know, just where people are making those points of purchases. Are you able to get as granular as, hey, more people are making point of purchases you can see, you can start to map out where customers are almost like a cloud, like a, a word cloud, if you will, where they're actually coming from. Like if I have a majority of my customers are coming from Reddit or something crazy like that, or a brand new website, and you start to see more conversions happening to that. Can you then target specifically more and more of those like websites or more of your ad spend or your impressions to that website? Or can you get that granular? Yeah, so we, we can actually see all the domains that our ads are showing on. Um, and this is also helpful in terms of like brand safety and everything. So we can see, all right, my ad showed up on weather.com and CNBC and, you know, all these different spots. And you can measure the performance on each of those. And, you know, this is where DSP starts to get you know, pretty unwieldy if you're trying to do this like self-service wise, just because, again, there's so much control. 
But when you can aggregate this data together and work with multiple clients, now you can start to see these repeatable trends and we can start excluding domains that obviously are not converting. Um, And so that's really where there's just so many different avenues where I feel like we're going to find you know, different audiences or different domains, or you can specify between the Amazon app and the browser and just so many controls that when we can find these different areas, um, I think we're going to continue to unlock quite a bit of opportunity. That's really exciting. Yeah. In terms of like when you should get going as a seller, um, what I would say is really get the sponsored ad side nailed down first. Um, you know, so sponsored products, sponsored brands, those are core. So you want to get those those really nailed down. And once you've got those performing well, say you're at the 10 to 20 grand a month spend level on the sponsored ad side. At that point, I would take a look at DSP. Um, some of the power from DSP is really driven from the traffic that you're already getting to your listing. So then we can use some of those bottom of the funnel strategies like retargeting and repurchases. Um, but we can always expand out and say, all right, I'm going to target the, the ASIN of my competitor. If they viewed my competitor but didn't purchase, like now I'm going to show them ads for my products. So that's where it starts to get fun. So definitely focus on the sponsored ad side first. Once you feel like you've got a good handle on that, then DSP is the next great spot to expand your sales and still get solid advertising returns. Wow, that's good stuff. And like, I'm I'm constantly, my, my head's spinning in terms of where that can eventually lay down. Are you directing lots of your clients to make point of purchase on Amazon still? Is that is that still the natural flow you're trying to push people through? You, yeah. said, you said you don't have to. Yep. Yeah. So right now it's, it's really a financial and a preference, a preference decision. And so key things to take into account is for a typical website, I'll see a one to 2% conversion rate. So, you know, a hundred people view my website, one or two people buy. Whereas on Amazon, typical conversion rate tends to be about 10 to 15%. And so directing them to Amazon, you're typically going to get a much higher conversion rate just because Amazon has that trust and it's just so easy to purchase from it. Um, But the key things that you don't get are like the customer information. So I don't have their address and their email address and everything where now I can say remarket to them through my platform. Um, And so that's kind of the the giveaway that you have. And then the other benefit for for selling through your website is you don't have to pay all the fees associated with selling on Amazon. So you can take those two into account and then really figure out how much does having that customer information, how much do I value that? Um, There's some who, even though they're not making as much profit per sale, really value the website, but in general, we see a better return going directly to Amazon, even though you pay more in fees, just because you convert so much better. So what's the call to action then you're telling lots of people? Is it a coupon? Is it a discount? Or because I have a, a follow up question to that too, because a lot of people see stockouts mm-hmm. and you say, like, if you're running a campaign, how quickly can you change a campaign to not purchase on Amazon? Because you might have not have inventory in your FBA facility to switch that to hey, now fulfill on my own website. Sure. Yeah. And so what what I would say in terms of like um, call to action is typically it just looks like a sponsored ad on the side for DSP. And it's just a reminder like, hey, you know, you were interested in this before. 
Uh, you didn't purchase, but just reminding you that that we're here. Like, come check right. us out again. <laughs> and so um, we haven't had to have any like major calls to action with these ads. It's more just reminding them as they're going like, hey, come back to us. Um, you know, other fun use cases that you can do, like when you're talking about stockouts and all the inventory and supply chain disruptions is say you have a competitor who's gone out of stock recently. So Holy I can look shit. at, I didn't I even think about that. Oh. And then I can say anybody who's purchased from them in the last 60 days, say if it's a consumable, but right. they're out of stock. So it's a supplement or a protein drink or something, but they went out wow. of stock. Now let's draw them over and see if we can get awesome repeat customers from that. Or even better, if they viewed that other listing, but they didn't purchase, you know, they've shown interest. Now I can direct them to my, my uh, ASIN or product. So there's just so many different options. And what makes it fun is that, you know, sponsored ad side, it's more structured approach, but with DSP, you can really use that creativity. It's the art versus the science. So we can nail down the science and how these perform, but the art is really defining all these different audiences and how you can utilize all this information. I love that, man. Like that, that's how you as an entrepreneur succeed. How are you going to not be net, not be ugly about it, but how you're taking advantage of opportunity, right? There's nothing wrong with it says like, if because you guys have the data too, I'm assuming lots of people on a lot of these platforms, you can see if someone's stocked out or if they're just not available anymore, targeting an ad, if it's high volume and they're like a top seller, driving people to, hey, not in stock, like we got, we got this and more or something like that, like very similar concept of competing along those lines super cool and creative in that regards is this is this kind of amazon's like just the beginning in dsp or is there like other avenues of advertising that they can build on top of this almost like a like a lego set like this is the the the, the green space of like the basis of you're going to build like this awesome castle and start to build out these these intricacies of everything dsp seems like a very solid platform that wouldn't go ever wouldn't go anywhere because again, there's so much search functionality outside of Amazon, but the point of purchase inevitably comes back to them. So that being said, is where does it go and grow from there? Yeah. The, I, in my opinion, DSP is the future of where Amazon is going to continue to drive their advertising growth. Um, you know, so if you look at different projections, it's 40 to 30% year over year growth. And if you look wow. at Facebook and Google, um, while still growing, Amazon is definitely catching up. It used to be the duopoly between Facebook and Google, and now Amazon, they just reached $10 billion in advertising spend, I believe, last year. So they finally hit double digits in the billions um, to compete with Facebook and Google. And so I continue to see more and more growth. And I think that the information that Amazon has becomes more and more valuable, especially as people become more conscious on the privacy side and Facebook and Google are really limited on what they can pull where Amazon, you're getting that, that direct shopping information. Um, so you can find those most relevant people to target with ads where it's going to be the most helpful. Wow. That's, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really excited about that because that's using data, I think, for the betterment of standing out and the creative, I like the creativity side, like not the ugliness of it, the creativity side is what's super fascinating about it is not everyone just make, not everyone just sits on Amazon like we, we do all day. I'm just like constantly looking for different things and updates, 
but it's normally the point of purchase. I think maybe you showed like where data finally inevitably happens and you can look at those numbers to say like, listen, this isn't where all the activity is happening. You can do branding, you can do all these other things of maybe even going into different flows, right? Of maybe to many chat, is that like other ways that you can start direct people of like, hey, are you interested in like these kinds of ways? And like, you can start to direct them in these different flows of, I don't necessarily want them to purchase, or I have a concept, would you be interested or for like a Kickstarter event or any of these other kinds of things? Do I have to be a seller on Amazon to inevitably use this platform at all? No, no. So okay. you do not have to be an Amazon seller. And so what you can say is, um, for instance, if I have certain flows and I know I'm going to be in a specific category, I can find people who buy compliments for that. So, you know, and just going to baseball, I see somebody who buys, you know, a, a kid's baseball bat. I've got three kids. Um, I may be looking for a glove too. So even if I'm not a seller on Amazon, I can target the people who just bought that kid's baseball bat. And then I can show them ads for my glove and direct them to a landing page off of Amazon. Or so even if I'm trying just, to sell products yeah. or books or, you know, different things like that off of Amazon, I can utilize that consumer shopping information to find that targeted audience based off of those preferences that now would probably be interested in my product. Or even services, right? Like this can go into the service industry pretty quickly. Like hey, sure. you just bought like a car detailing kit. Hey, maybe you should like Geico or something like that. Like, hey, have you thought about protecting your ride or some something along those lines where mm -hmm. I inevitably see like more players come to the space and play with Amazon because of the the data that they're now allowing and opening up to people because you know that that's the cool portion of it. I think that's for know, sure. Think, that of, think of like me a, as a nerd. yeah, think of like a car dealership. And so for this car dealership, um, I'm looking at people who just bought uh, Ram like replacement parts. And I know that, and I just filter that they're like, my Ram is eight years old and man, okay, we're going to categorize this group that's had to buy a bunch of replacement parts. They're probably in the market for a new truck and they're probably pretty brand specific too and what they're looking for. So maybe let's start targeting them with my car dealership for ads. You know, there's different ways that you can utilize it like that. That doesn't fit the traditional Amazon seller mold. Um, but is really cool. You have to think outside the box, but that's where, that's where it gets really fun. Awesome stuff, man. I know I can talk about this all day, but I know you have stuff to do in that regards, but Joe, before people like wrap up and they're like, want to like dip their toes in DSP or like just more, learn more information. I think that's, that's the key of, we just touched the tip of the iceberg. Where can they either learn more information or get in touch with you and, uh, just kind of educate themselves further. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Go to, you can check out adadvance.com is a great spot or connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Joe Shellerud um, on LinkedIn or Facebook. We're posting a ton of content or also on Clubhouse quite a bit now talking with great people like you, Ryan. So um, any of those places are great. We're, also, we're always putting out new content and sharing things that we're learning and seeing as we go. Amazing stuff, man. Well, congratulations on the success and growth. You guys are, I know, growing as well. And this is just the beginning, I know, for agencies like yourself to help e-commerce sellers and more, like as we kind of alluded to, uh, grow on those platforms. So that's really good stuff. We'll uh, we'll be in touch and uh, we'll have to check in and see how things are going and the more data we're getting and how that's applying for sellers. So thanks a lot for sharing that today. For sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. Yeah, no problem. Uh, that was Joe Shulrud of Ad Advance again. Thanks, Joe, uh, for joining us on Crossover Commerce. Just one of the many.
great minds that we have on our show. He has to go and bounce and just do more great things in the space. So we appreciate his time spending it with us, just going over the basics and talking about DSP because that's a new fascinating functionality of Amazon and what they have to do to continue to innovate in the Amazon and e-commerce space. But uh, let's be told like, that's not the only one who knows what they're talking about. They're very fantastic in that regards. Um, so we appreciate him being a part of that beginner journey and helping us understand a little bit more about Amazon DSP. Again, for everyone who's still around with us, I appreciate you watching on social media live or if you're rewatching uh, at another time, we call it team rewatch because everyone's busy. They're doing their business. We hopefully, if you spent a little bit of time, can give us some feedback in terms of what you learned, maybe some insight or you're watching from. If this is your first time or last time, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, or this is your first time, I should say, uh, or if you've been with us every single episode. Again, this is episode 91 of Crossover Commerce. We talked about Amazon DSP with Joe Charlerud of AdAdvance. So go ahead and check more information about them on the comment section below. And about Ping Pong, you can actually sign up for a free account. Uh, obviously, with Ping Pong, you can help with international transactions, both sending and receiving internationally as an Amazon seller, but also e-business seller as well. So go ahead and check it out. Sign up for a free account below, um, click on the link, and then you'll get a free month of international transactions when you sign up today. I'm Ryan Kramer, the host of this show. Thanks for tuning in. Again, I love bringing my information and my uh, guests to bring uh, come onto this show so that they can share relevant information for you in the Amazon and e-business community. Go ahead and tune in every single, make sure you subscribe to our channels, I should say, um, be notified of future episodes coming forward. And I want to make sure that you guys get the best minds in the Amazon e-commerce space. Thanks for tuning in to Crossover Commerce. We'll catch you guys next time on the show. Take care.